Welcome to We Are Meaningful, a podcast where we transform the anonymous experiences of black and brown talent into powerful audio narratives. Each month, we center the dialogue around a common theme, providing you, our listeners, with the tools and resources you need to help navigate, grow, and thrive in corporate spaces. Our stories, experiences, and our voices are meaningful. We are meaningful. Hi, everyone. This is Crystal. And this is Krista. Today, we're joined by Tiffany Ellis. Tiffany was a leader in the insurance industry for over a decade before creating her development platform that we love, Pods and PR, and it focuses on mental health, emotional intelligence, and personal development for teens and women of all ages. She is multi-passionate, which is another word for she do a lot of things because she's passionate <laughs> about a lot of things. Um, she's creative and she's a proud graduate of Florida A&M University. And she's currently working with students in area of technology and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the show, Tiffany. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So you had the opportunity to hear the narrative. And for those of you who are listening for the first time, in order to hear the narrative, please go back to the Navigating the Nonsense, the debrief episode where Krista and I break down our thoughts and reactions about the narrative, um, if you want to catch up on that. But Tiffany, you've had the opportunity to listen to it. What were your thoughts and reactions when you initially heard the narrative? Wow. Well, you know, when I heard the narrative, I had to take some time and honestly process my thoughts because there were so many. And it brought me back to the first time I learned to swim. I was in a pool on my college campus. First, I learned to hold my breath. Then the instructor taught us how to take measured strategic breaths. She followed that up with teaching us different strokes, floating techniques, how to tread water, and then we moved into trying to swim for a short distance. The goal was eventually to learn to swim from one end of the swimming pool to the other. I imagine everyone doesn't need to learn to swim, but if you intend to spend time in water, you should know how to swim, right? Take that same analogy and replace it with the idea of working in corporate America. See, as college students, some of us have already learned to swim as children. Some of us, have been swimming for years in pools and at sea and are very familiar with the different elements. So there's never any discomfort. For others of us, we haven't spent time in the water. So that swim class in college was my first time or first real taste of what it's like. I tried it, I liked it, and I wanted more of it. The problem was learning to swim in a pool is just so much different than swimming at sea. And if I had to draw a comparison, I'd say that working in corporate America is much like swimming at sea. You don't know what to do with the current until you've actually experienced it. You expect calm waters, just like in the swimming pool, and you expect you'll get better over time, right? Because if you have an instructor who's, in, who's willing to teach you, um, then you'll learn, especially if you show potential and desire. What I found in life is neither are guaranteed. I graduated, I jumped in the corporate sea, 
without a life jacket because no one told me I'd ever need one, nor did they tell me that swimming in the sea would be any different than swimming in the pool. So before I knew it, I could barely tread water and um, it was very difficult to say the least. Now, there are people all around me who happened to be given life jackets before they even got the chance to ask for one um, or even before they were allowed to jump in just in case things got rough. So for me personally, I had to doggy paddle, but I was still going down. Uh, I tried to push back on my back and float. Current kept pulling me down. I quickly realized that I had to figure out how to work with the current or I was going to drown. You know, it can be difficult. I quickly realized I'd better figure out how to make this work and how to work with the current or I was going to go down. So I did my best, made it back to the boat, processed everything that happened to me that day. And the next day I came back ready for the current because I had just experienced it. But see, the thing about the sea is that it does its own thing sometimes. So one day you're going to have rough waters and some days it's going to be easy. Some days the current is strong. Other days the current is weak. Eventually, I learned how to navigate the waters and I got to choose, you know, did I want to stay close to the shore where it's safe and enjoyment is limited or did I want to take the risk and go out in the water? It's an easy question to ask when you're talking to someone who's big on adventure, right? Of course, I wanted to jump in the water. I learned you don't always get the chance to ask for a life jacket. You just have to learn to swim. I love how much farther you took the metaphor, Tiffany, uh, especially because you called so much on the inequity, right? The ability for people to have been trained and to have resources and just a culture available to them before they even knew that they had to be ready for it, right? And I say this all the time, corporate culture is very derivative of white culture. So what's considered professionalism, yada, yada, yada. So if you're growing up in a white household, you are more likely, more often than not, right, to be exposed to the different like social cues and what's considered acceptable and all of these unspoken rules way before you even have to step foot into an office building. Versus us, it is truly like a trial and error sink and swim sink or swim. And I experienced that a lot my first position right out of grad school. There was so much that I didn't realize I had to navigate and that I was expected to navigate. And we talked about this in in our Unspoken Rules series. My parents had never been in corporate America and I doubt even if they would have been that they would have known to prepare me for certain things. So the conversations are really different and we're having to play catch up in a really big way that truly is survival, like what you called out here. And what's interesting is that we all have a, all three of us have a very similar story about um, being the first person in our family or our immediate family to be in a corporate environment. So I think that we all felt what you just mentioned 
so much more acutely than even people who had an idea who may look like us, um, who at least had some sort of idea about what it might be like. And Tiffany, when you mentioned swimming in college, it actually took me back to the time when I was younger. I was probably about 10 years old and I almost drowned in a pool. Someone took me to the deep end and I almost drowned. And as you were telling your story, I thought about how I felt in that moment and then also made the same connections that you did about corporate America and the sea and the water and being pulled back down and drowning. I would absolutely say that our experiences are similar. Yeah, it's it's so disheartening because the thing of it is, you know, from I would even say right out of the gate, I had to prove I belonged in environments and it happened so much that before anyone even made me feel like I needed to, you know, as I switched organizations or positions, I came in almost defensive, like they're going to, they're going to anticipate I don't belong here. They're going to doubt my intelligence. Um, they're going to question my credibility. And so, you know, you're having to manage your own insecurities um, that you didn't come into the workplace with. They were given to you because people look at you or down at you for what you don't know. And it's not that you don't have the ability to learn these things, but it, the grace is missing. You know, you don't get the same luxury um, many leaders are granted um, to come into who you are as an individual contributor, definitely not as a leader um, and as a person of color attempting to evolve in professional spaces. Isn't it interesting, though, that they don't even see how inequitable that is? I've had this conversation with so many people where they've been like, well, I don't want to have to waste the time and train this person on these things that they should already know. And then when it's someone that they know or someone who went to the same school they went to or grew up on the same block as them, they're like, oh yeah, I can teach this person that. And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> now all of a sudden you have the patience and the grace to teach someone, but you go into the conversation about others that you don't necessarily relate to, that you don't see as being like you, to say that I don't have the time and I don't have the capacity. So I think it's really interesting. Oh, the funny thing to me is like, um, so I have a liberal arts degree, right? And I, uh, to me, when I graduated college, because again, no one ever talked to me about college. When I went to college, I majored in criminal justice purely because I grew up seeing a whole lot of police officers and correctional officers. And, you know, I was like, oh, this seems cool. I would love to do that. Not even thinking about how that would be viewed when I graduated, or if I even really wanted to do that. I didn't even know about all the different career paths I could have taken. And right. so for me, it's like people will see a liberal arts degree and automatically assume I took the easy way out or I'm not intelligent. And they're almost shocked to see that, oh, she actually, like she really is intelligent or she really can do this or to find that I'm one of the higher performing leaders in an organization. It has nothing to do with my intellect. It has to do with my exposure and my options. Had I been given exposure to different things growing up, I'm very sure I would have made a different decision. And so right. that's why I just, I'm really 
I'm very passionate, especially as it relates to recruiting and to creating equitable circumstances when you're considering degrees even, because how else would you know? This is so true. And this is a shameless plug. So I don't know if y'all have been watching Little Fires Everywhere on Hulu with Reese Witherspoon and Carrie Washington. Carrie Washington said something similar to what you just said when her and Reese were having this argument and back and forth was that she had good choices. She didn't just make good choices. She had good choices. So everything that was put in front of you was already a good choice. So no matter what you chose, it was already the right path. Yeah, and I think I I really hate that saying we all have the same 24 hours in a day. Because sure, we all have the same 24 hours in a day, but we all don't have the same situations and privilege available to us. So it's really hard to be so comparative. But here's the thing, the expectation doesn't change. The attitude is the same. The attitude is, no, we have all the same 24 hours in a day. So when you come to this space, you need to come as correct as somebody who has literally been raised for this position that you're also competing for them against. Better. Exactly. You must be better. And then sometimes if you're that much better, you're overqualified. You wouldn't be happy in this position. So, um, but to your point... The people who get life jackets are the people that leadership feels comfortable with and can build a connection with almost immediately because they're familiar to them, right? Like you said, Crystal, that's something that she's, Crystal has literally had to almost wring it out of me. I left my first job out of grad school thinking everything was my fault. I literally left it thinking that I was stupid and that I wasn't professional and that I could never exist in corporate America. And Crystal literally had to be like, no, 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 no. Nobody had the patience, the determination, the will to train you and to give you the tools and the resources that you needed, arguably because you were the most different person in that space and you were absolutely the only person of color. And that was feedback that I got all the time. It's like, if you're not getting it, I don't have time to help you get it. And I'm like, you are asking me to get something that is literally impossible for me to get because it is so derivative of an identity that I have nothing to do with. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time I received feedback that was not accurate. <laughs> and granted, I had opportunities, we all do, but I was ve I'm very self-aware and I'm often doing post checks. So I know where my gaps are. I know what my opportunities are. And if anyone asks me, I'm always able to tell them. Well, when I received the feedback, it was completely subjective. It was based on this leader's personal biases towards me, had nothing to do with my actual performance. And when he delivered the feedback, I said to him, I appreciate this, I do not agree. And I remember saying, you know, these are my actual opportunities. And if someone, you know, would be so kind as to work with me on these things, I'm willing to commit to improve them because I want to do a really good job. And I was told that is combative, that I need to be able to take feedback without, you know, creating an argument or, you know, disagreement. And in that moment is when I realized, like, you're not interested in really helping me to grow and really getting the best from me. You're interested in being able to control my responses, reactions, and behavior. 
And I had to make a decision. Do I want to be viewed as controllable and continue to grow my career in this particular organization? Or was I seeking an environment that would allow me to really come into who I was as a leader? You know, but that's those are the kind of decisions we have to make because we're not able to often disagree without there being some negative um, perception formed because of the fact that we're not in complete alignment. And because we're women of color. Yeah, for sure. And I think that was a perfect segue into the next question, which is all about actionable steps that black and brown women can take to navigate the nonsense in these spaces. And I think it's one thing I think that is important to elevate is that we're all going to navigate these situations differently. What may have worked for you may not work for another person. And then also some people may say, listen, I just want to make sure that I get paid. I got a family to take care of. What do I need to do for that? If I want to grow at this company, what do you think I should do? Or what are your suggestions or proposals? And then if I want to leave like you did, what does that look like? So I think that you probably have solutions and thoughts and recommendations that run the gamut of those different choices. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, each of those situations, the course of action, so different. Um, You know, if you're trying to survive in corporate spaces, keeping with the theme, you know, I always say the water isn't always going to be rough, but you have to learn how to pay attention to the water. And you need to know when you need help. You need to know when you've got it. And when you need help, you, you have to be able to speak up and advocate for yourself. Um, something I really learned very early on in my career is that I really had to pick and choose my battles. And my mom used to always say that growing up, pick and choose your battles. Don't fight every battle. You can't fight every battle. And another thing, um, because I was always, I always demonstrated, um, leadership ability, (laughs) so to speak. Um, she'd always say, you know, you don't have to be everyone's voice. Like sometimes let others speak up for themselves because what I learned also was um, some of my counterparts were not as vocal about the things that they um, felt. So in our closed groups, when it's just among peers, they would be very vocal and speak up and say X, Y, Z. And initially I would be baited. So they'd say, oh, you know, you say this so well, or I love how you, you know, position things or how you speak. You know, when we're in a meeting, can we talk about this? Maybe if you bring it up. And at first, honestly, this sounds like a movie. (laughs) It used to happen. And I would speak up, but I developed a reputation for being like a problem starter, you know, because you can't be the person always bringing up all the issues. You can't be the person always speaking out. And so there are going to be times when you're going to have to sit back and you're going to have to have quiet spaces and quiet spaces are places where things need to be said, but you have to be strategic and pay attention to what's happening so that you can figure out how to approach the situation because you're not going to be able to employ a universal approach to every issue. It just doesn't work for us. Um, There are going to be times when you're passionate about something and you have to keep quiet. And people don't agree with that. But I'm telling you, you'll have your moments where you're going to have to speak up. So it's almost like, okay, if I speak up here, let me kind of take one on the chin for the next one or two so I can manage that perception. Maybe I'll get behind this issue. But pick and choose your battles. Do not pick them all. Um, The biggest thing for me is emotional intelligence. And I will tell anyone that you have to have emotional intelligence because emotional intelligence will tell you when to speak, 
how to speak, um, when to be quiet, who to speak to, who to cultivate relationships with, um, how to assess demeanor, like emotional intelligence will set the stage for you to accomplish anything you want to to accomplish, but you have to, you have to have emotional intelligence. It's almost like, um, you know, if you, I go back to the water analogy, if you jump in the water and you don't recognize that there is this, this current and you start trying to swim against the current, you're going to get tired. Well, if you get tired, you can get a cramp, potentially drown. So you have to know when to float, when to, when to tread water, when to swim. And that's basically your emotional intelligence. So that's how I would liken it to the water example. And so develop it, work on it, spend time with it because you're also going to need it because right, wrong, or indifferent, there will be people who you work with or for who do not possess emotional intelligence and even being able to navigate situations with them, we're going to have to have it to ensure that our careers are not derailed or taken off track because of the different situations that will come up from dealing with someone who is not capable of leading effectively. Girl, but they don't need to have it. Nope. Because they don't have to be self-aware. It's just, it is so interesting to me how when people do things that are inappropriate, they're like, well, no, you just took it wrong. Mm -hmm. You didn't mean it like that. Mm -hmm. Like, why... Why did you take it in that way? You're so sensitive. (laughs) You need some self-awareness. We have to have it, but others are just always assumed to be right or they have assumed that they are right. Yep. Literally, I think of the people that I've worked with in the past and all of the majority groups can literally behave like a bull in a china shop. Yep. Whereas we have to have like the grace to navigate literally like going through a room of lasers, like we are bending over backwards, like losing hair here and there Mm -hmm. just to try and make sure that we're not offending anybody. We're not coming out of our lane in a way that makes people upset. All of these different things, all of these different elements of nonsense. So Mm -hmm. I love that you called out emotional intelligence because I've always been very emotionally intelligent, had a high EQ. I never claimed it as my superpower Mm -hmm. until this last year Mm -hmm. because I didn't think it did me any good. I actually thought more than anything, it was holding me back in life because I was so aware of everything around me all the time. You've been getting in trouble since you were a kid about your EQ. (laughs) I really have. So, And I think, you know, actually, I would argue that women of color probably tend to have higher EQs and it's because even from a young age you are taking in whether you are actively absorbing them is different you're taking in all of these like microaggressions and all of these social cues from everything happening around you you're seeing the way people are looking at you the way people are saying things about you the way people are speaking to you and you don't know it, but it's building this emotional intelligence where you start to understand where, when you are in a space where you are not wanted. Mm-hmm. You recognize- and how you have to navigate that. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. I was going to say you recognize it before anyone even starts to speak. Right. And I remember feeling it at a very, very young age when I was in church. And I, my family was the only family of color. Mm-hmm in that church. And I remember it. I remember feeling it and I didn't know how to explain it. And my parents would say that to me. They were like, why are you always saying things 
that are like out of the side of your mouth, like things that are above your age, da, 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 because people at church would always tell me to know my place because I would say something to them that was really profound mm-hmm. that would make them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's just because you have that emotional intelligence. Now we're in a workspace mm-hmm. and we're still getting slaps on the hand for it. Mm-hmm. I had, so a, I, I'm sorry. I love that. Go ahead. <laughs> I had a senior leader. Um, he, we were all in a meeting. I'll never forget. Cause you, um, <laughs> you use an example that he used, but we were sitting in um, a meeting once And we were talking about emotional intelligence and we had just taken like this test and it was testing your EQ. And he's like, there was, it was eight of us, six were white men. And it was me and another um, black woman in in the room. And he's like, like, what is this? This is like, he's like, you know, there's like real smart and then there's like imaginary smarts. He's like, that's like street smarts, right? And he's like, well, that's what this like EQ stuff is like. And him Mm -hmm. and his counterparts were laughing. And in my head, I'm like, and this is why we have the problem that we have, because you don't think that you need to be emotionally aware of how you navigate spaces at all. And so you're walking around here, offending everyone, making people uncomfortable, coming off hostile, being extra aggressive, and we're just sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly to that point. That's why I thought it was useless, really. And like I said, I thought if anything, it was just holding me back. You know, that saying like Mm -hmm. ignorance is bliss. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh gosh, more than anything, I just want to be ignorant more than anything. I just want to live in this world in like a bubble, like all these other people around me. So I love that you're calling it out and you're saying, if you don't have it, build it because it really can help you. And I also loved your, your thing about pick your battles because uh, Crystal and I, if there's a spectrum, I'm definitely on the spectrum of, of picking less battles. So, <laughs> you are. You like, don't say a word. I know. I'm like, take it. You better take it on the counter. <laughs> we got to take it right now. We'll deal with it later. <laughs> um, but thank you so much, Tiffany. I know that I have super enjoyed this conversation and you've said so many powerful but also like really inspirational things that we can all look towards as we continue to navigate these spaces and all the nonsense where can listeners continue uh, to hear from you or find you online connect with you so I am all over the internet. Um, on, I am on everything except Twitter, basically. And I've been told I need to get on Twitter, but I am just social media out right now. So I can't really um, add too many more. Anyway, you can find me on uh, Facebook, on IG and on YouTube at pods, P-O-D-S underscore and underscore P-R. Uh, My website is www.podsandpr.com and the and is spelled out. And then on LinkedIn, I am under uh, or found by Tiffany Y as in Yo-Yo Ellis. Perfect. And I just want to say that I can't wait until the world opens back up again because your pods and PR events are great. They're in person. You have the opportunity to have conversations with black and brown women Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to have the opportunity to jump back into that. And I know that you're having virtual events mm-hmm. with your group every week, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I've been doing that during COVID. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. I'm very passionate about the events. And right now we're working on emotional intelligence. So I'm breaking apart the things that cause us to be uh, to spiral out of control sometimes. So, so we can put it back together. And then once we put it back together, now we learn to package it and to actually use the resources we're 
we're uh, obtaining. So, Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the We Are Meaningful podcast. Follow us on Instagram at wearemeaningful.co and visit our website to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. We're excited to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Talk to you next week.